we use a company to help us come up with versions of the fixture. The AFL has certain parameters they set around how they want to build out the fixture. So clubs are able to put in certain requests on certain fixtures that they want. We have those certain key blockbuster games. So they process and spit out each of these different iterations of the fixture and possible solutions and then it gets a score so different things are marked down so if clubs have a bigger amount of breaks or a small like a lot of five-day breaks or things like that the broadcasting team used to get sent just a spreadsheet that had that all broken down and so what we're actually able to do now we've got a um, direct connection to that feed i've replicated a lot of the tables that they like to see but also created visual things so now if they want to see what clubs have five-day breaks versus six-day breaks versus seven-day breaks. It's all in a visual um, matrix now they can just see and it's all colour-coded so they don't even have to, like, do the maths in their head. They can just go, oh, yeah, this club's got a lot of red. Um, that's not a really fair fixture, so we'll have to try another iteration. I started volunteering. It's all about who you know in sport. Am I going to be calling the last 10 seconds of the grand final? You can connect with the interviewer. The hand goes up when they've got to make a decision. Having a network is one of the most important things you can do. I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity. Once you've worked in sport, there's no going back. And then lo and behold, before I left, I got offered two. G'day, guys. Today on the show, we have Penny Privet. Penny is the data visualization lead at the AFL and has had ex previous experience outside of sport at Serco, NBN, and Databook. In her role at the AFL, Penny's in charge of building really informative, visually pleasing, and interactive dashboards that can inform decision-making across the Australian Football League. If you're talking about data, then you are well and truly talking Penny's language. This episode is actually a recording of a masterclass that Penny gave exclusive to the SportsGrade community. So if you want a taste for the events and the content that's only available to our members, then this is a really good taste. This particular masterclass is actually as comprehensive as you get. And inside you're gonna learn how Penny made her way into the AFL, what exactly is data visualization, how the AFL uses data to make key decisions, and a hands-on look at Penny's KPI reports that she pieces together that has key data from across the AFL season. In our community masterclasses, we go really deep with our guests and find out more about how they do their job, what exactly is involved, plus you get to ask any of your burning questions and grow connections with our guests. Also, that you can prepare yourself to work in the sports industry. These all live on a resource hub, and there you'll find over 50 hours of premium content and resources to choose from. If you're wondering why SportsGrade members have such success finding jobs at the biggest organization in sport, it's because of the content and connections like these that they get access to. If you like what you're hearing and want to join over 650 members inside the SportsGrade community, you can join our waitlist for our next drop of members by heading to our website at sportsgrade.com.au slash community. If you're an industry professional and want to hear more from elite operators in sport and what makes them great, we've just launched our SportsGrade Pro blog as well, which you can sign up for in the show notes. That gets put into your inbox every week with someone new from the sports industry. In the meantime, grab a pen and enjoy this exclusive masterclass episode with Penny Privet. 
With a new course, Deakin Business School is preparing graduates to capitalise on the golden opportunities in sports management. It's time to take charge of your career with the Executive Masters of Sports Management, a one-of-a-kind qualification which is designed as a more advanced version of Deakin's popular Master of Business in Sports Management, which is the number one ranked program of its kind in Australia. Delivered online via Deakin's Cloud Campus, the EMSB provides students with a focus on specific business knowledge, including areas of strategy, sports governance, leadership and fan engagement. Capitalise on the golden decade with a degree that will give you the skills you need. Thanks for joining us, guys, for another of our Wednesday Q&As. Um, tonight, we're very lucky to have Penny Privet from the AFL joining us. Um, for those who haven't got on these sessions before, um, we do weekly Q&As that run on Wednesday nights each and every week, and they're there for you guys to meet the industry professionals who are out there doing and doing those jobs that we can all dream of doing. But they're also an opportunity for you guys to ask all those burning questions that you have from someone who is living that dream right now. So basically tonight is up to you guys to, to make the most of. And there's a few things you can do. If you've got questions during the night, just press the hand up button and we can uh, we can throw straight to you. Don't be afraid to ask a question. Um, this is literally the safest space for you to ask questions. So um, make the most of it. We're all here to, to learn. Um, and last one is like, just get really engaged tonight. It's an opportunity for you guys to put the phone away, listen in for 45 minutes, almost an hour, um, chuck your camera on, get involved. Um, there's not many opportunities that you have just to speak to someone and, and ask questions and learn about what they do. So it's a great opportunity for you. Um, so tonight we'll get a bit of an intro from Penny. We'll have a bit of a Q&A session. Penny's got some examples of some data crunching. It's crazy. We're all going to learn a lot. We've got some cool examples coming up. And then at the very end, we'll get a team photo. Love to get team photos of what we do here at SportsGrad so we can share that amongst uh, the community. So I'll throw to Penny. Penny has had a range of experience at companies like Databook, Serco, um, she's done a Bachelor of Applied Sciences and Wildlife Biology, which yep. is pretty bloody awesome. Uh, and now Penny's a reporting analyst at the AFL. So I'll throw to her and we'll, uh, we'll get cracking. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's really great to be here. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to just talk to you guys and tell you a bit about my story and nerd out about data, really. That's one of my favourite things to do. Um, so as Ryan said, I have a bit of a, a varied background. Originally, I actually was working in the corporate centre industry. I worked in that for about 10 years, originally on um, first on government-related um, customer service and then into the telco industry. And then from there, I, um, I didn't do a lot of data work or even anything to do with sports back then. Um, I... I was in the Q&A field more so. So when you hear that recording, if you call somewhere and they go, your call has been recorded for quality and insurance purposes, I was the person listening to those calls and, and rating people. Um, through that, though, I already I always had an interest in um, 
working with data, even if I didn't really know that that's the field that I was actually really interested in. Um, but whenever someone needed a report or a nice PowerPoint presentation or some numbers crunched, I was always the first to put my hand up for that. And then, um, then I moved into the training space uh, in the call centres, so helping bring new staff on board and training them up and getting them ready to go. And the, the last place I worked was actually at NBN, um, National Broadband Network, and you've probably all heard of that, seen what's happening in the news, and we did this massive ramp up to help with the rollout, and then um, once that was completed, there was the downward spike and um, a whole bunch of us got made redundant. And so I used that opportunity to move to Melbourne in the hopes of getting another job with NBN, and I didn't. And so I had a resume that was very training-focused, um, but wanting to sort of branch out. And the job at the AFL came up um, for, it was training coordinator. So my job, um, that job was to help train club um users on their systems and I was like oh you know what's more Melbourne than a job at the AFL that would be really funny if I moved to Melbourne and I start working at the AFL so I applied for it and uh, along with a whole bunch of other jobs and that was the one that I actually got so even though training was where I had my um my skills and my resume it wasn't particularly the field that I was interested in but I also at that time just needed a job so I started that job with the AFL um in the membership shared services department. So it's part of the broader AFL where they work with all of the 18 clubs and help them manage their membership databases. So what I was brought on to do was to help train them on how to use the system. It's called Arctics. It's run by Ticketmaster. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of it. It's a bit of an antiquated-looking system, to be honest, but training up club users. And then the other thing... Um, was this brand new system that they were launching out to clubs called FanView and it was based on Tableau. So in my first month of the AFL, I did a training course on Tableau with a few other staff members, a two-day um, accelerated Tableau desktop. One and two was the name of the training. Um, so I could get up to speed on this system so I, then I could train club users on how to use the system. And... In the process of that, I got really good at the system and I got, um, I guess, noticed in the business for my skills and um, they had a newly, they brought on a new um, lead of data and analytics, Elisa Koch. If you're, if you're across data or sports industry at all, you've probably heard her name. She, she gets herself out there all over the place. Um, and so I got brought into the data team um, and that was at the end of 2019 and so I've been in that role um, since then and I love to tell people it's the job I never knew that I always wanted. It's it's the best job I've ever had. Um, I'm so happy doing what I do and a large part of that is the people that I work with. Um, if you ever get an opportunity to work at the AFL, take it. I absolutely, I could not speak more highly of um, the AFL as a workplace. Um, and so since then, obviously, we went through COVID and our whole team got stood down for six months and we were just at home and waiting for the footy to come back so that we could all come back. And then when we came back, we had um, lots of work to do. So we were just starting to build our team and, and work in with um, 
different departments in the AFL to help get data um, in the hands of the right people in the format that they could use. And then we all just had to stay home for a while. So we started getting that back up and running. And one of the first projects that our team had to work on actually was contact tracing. So as we were trying to get everyone back to the footy, the DHS required, you know, all of this information from us. Should there be a COVID case at a match, we had to do like test drills and get all the data. I say we, it was our team, but I wasn't directly involved in any of that. Um, but we still had a very small team at that point and that took up all of our time and it really made it hard for us to sort of get back on, on track um, with the data. So once we got through all of that and was sort of halfway through last year that we really started to get the momentum happening and we went from, I'm going to say, like a team of five or six to so now a team of nine and in the new year we're going to be growing into an even bigger team um, in the data space and we are the leaders of the industry for data and analytics. So for um, the AFL, we work with all 18 clubs. So part of my role now is my title is not very helpful. It's reporting analyst. Um, I'm told I'm getting a new title in the new year, which I'm really excited for. Um, don't know what it's going to be, but apparently it's going to be a bit more descriptive of what I do. So what I do now, what my job is, is there's two parts to it. So we use um, a system called Tableau which is a data visualisation tool, which I'll go into a bit more detail. And we have a site that we call FanView that's hosted with Tableau. So you publish the dashboards and that's where um, everyone can go and view their data. So part of my job is the user admin. So I've got 550 users on this platform. Um, so I manage their permissions and their, their access roles and all of that sort of stuff and, and just the admin side of that. Um, and then the other part of my role is to... Um, build data visualization. So my nickname is the data artist, um, which I wear with um, with pride. I actually am quite proud of that nickname and, and have a lot of fun with it. So I build reports to be used across um, all of the, not all of the different departments, but across a lot of different departments. One of my first projects ever was an executive report. So on a Monday morning after the footy's completed, um, the exec want to see how the weekend was, what happened with the football, what happened with the TV ratings, what happened with attendance, how was social, um, Facebook, all of those sorts of things. And before I joined the team, before we got this data team up and running, different people from all of those different departments had to sit there on a Sunday night or very early on a Monday morning pulling all of this information together and manually putting it together and it was a half a dozen different PowerPoint presentations that had all of this information and, and all of this, you know, weekend time that these people had to spend. So our data and analytics team was able to automate most of those data sources so that now all of those people have that time back and the execs receive um, this report in their inbox on Sunday night and on a Monday morning, giving them all of those top-line numbers that they need for that exec meeting on Monday morning. So I work with, um, so that's a, that's a very cross-functional um, report that we work on, but I also work with individual departments as well as, as our team. So I've worked with the game analysis team to help them build reports for um, deciding who's going to be in the Australian team. So, again, that was something that they used to do really quite manually. Um, another one that I've worked with is our broadcasting team to help them decide the fixture for the, for the new year another process that was really quite manual that I've built into a dashboard 
that allows them to just quickly have a look at what's happening in a visual manner. Unfortunately, that's the kind of thing I can't share with you because um, it's fun classified information at the moment. Um, I'm also working with our procurement team, so in finance. So even if you're interested in sport, not everything is actually about sport. Um, there's procurement and finance and, and where all our money is spent. I'm helping them with reporting as well. So I do a lot of work with internals, helping them um, see. Oh, I'm, I'm working on mapping for um, our community um, football team, so the people that look after the community football and the Auskick and everything, help them support on the grounds and things like that. So the power of data is like it touches everything and it can be used for all sorts of different things. Um, but I also work with clubs. Um, we have, um, so we call it the fan data search and clubs have four in, which is uh, if all 18 clubs to agree to the same thing is like amazing in and of itself the fact that we've got them all on board to this platform so we host their data for them and we produce um what we data products for them that can then go and use so each club has um a key person that has the same level as of access just about as me where they can build their own dashboards but we build them these base dashboards that they can take away and use for themselves as well and and you know, probably at least 50% of the clubs just use them as they are. They're happy to just take it as they are or um, they'll take it and then customers, 18 different clubs have 18 different ways of how they want to look at things and how to measure things. And we can't build 18 different products for them, but we can build these, these base products. It's not just a template. It's more than a template, but it's something that they can start with and, and run with and, and build. So I thought um, I would show you through some of the things that I do and, and how data... Um, is used in the AFL. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll pause and just, I know I've been speaking for a bit now. Does anyone have any questions before I start showing you some of my demonstration stuff? Hi. Um, what I was wondering about was um, you said you uh, built uh, dashboards and data visualizations for a wide variety of different like departments and areas of, of the business. I was just wondering how you uh, kept in mind uh, what those different departments might need when you're not necessarily super familiar with everything that goes on in those different departments? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, procurement and finance is a really good example of that because I had no exposure to that kind of stuff before. I had no idea what a cost centre was versus an account code versus any of that. Um, and it has been a bit of a, a learning process for me as well. So I think I mentioned I've been in this role for what, three years and when I started it was me just playing around, seeing what I could do, what I could make that look really pretty, moving on to people coming to me saying, build me this, and I'd be like, okay, I'll build you that. And now moving into um, it all starts with a question. So um, going to those teams and saying what, questions do you want to answer with this data not necessarily building exactly just what they ask for because sometimes what they ask for is not what they actually want or what they think they want is actually not what they need so you know what questions are you trying to answer with this data and then um with procurement i was able to work quite closely with the procurement coordinator to answer all of my questions because i wasn't familiar with the data so um okay so you want this question answered how do I get that out of this data for you? And actually working quite closely with someone who was familiar with it, I guess the subject matter expert, um, who helped me then translate what I was looking at. 
and then I would build it and then I'll take it back to them and, and a very um, consultative process as well. I wasn't working in isolation and I'm still working with them now and um, the beauty of these dashboards is they're very iterative. Like the exec report that I do every season it changes and I get about three lots of changes throughout the season of things people wouldn't see. So um, it's always keeping this communication open. I guess that's the simplest way to answer that question. Sarah, you had a question? Yeah, you said that you're working on building, uh, sorry, on the 2023 fixture. So does that mean that you're using data to, from this year to build out next year's fixture or what sort of work goes into that? So we use um, a company to help us come up with versions of the fixture. So the, um, the AFL has... Um, certain parameters they set around how they want to build out the fixture. So, you know, how many days break each team gets between each match. Each match. Um, clubs are able to put in certain requests on certain fixtures that they want. We have those certain key blockbuster games and marquee games that happen at certain times. Um, so this company has a computer program that runs all of those options because it's something like 198 games, if I'm getting the number right off the top of my head. Um, so they, they just process and spit out each of these different um, iterations of the fixture and possible solutions, and then it gets a score. So different things are marked down. So if, if clubs have a bigger amount of breaks or a small, like a lot of five-day breaks or things like that. And um, so then what they used to, the broadcasting team used to get sent just a spreadsheet that had that all broken down, and there'll be a new spreadsheet every time, a new solution. And they could get 100 in a day of these different iterations of this um, and it was all just tables. It wasn't anything visual. So what we're actually able to do now, we've got a um, direct connection to that feed from the company and I've replicated a lot of the tables that they like to see but also created visual things. So now if they want to see what clubs have five-day breaks versus six-day breaks versus seven-day breaks and what's the discrepancy between... Um, the home team versus the away team and, and the amount of break they've had. It's all in a visual um, matrix now they can just see and it's all colour-coded so they don't even have to like do the maths in their head. They can just go, oh, yeah, this club's got a lot of red. Um, that's not a really fair fixture so we'll have to try another iteration. Um, but also we've got the historical fixtures in there, so what the actual previous seasons did run as and so we can compare back to how they were we're also able to um, use machine learning to forecast what attendances and TV ratings might be for the proposed fixtures to help. Um, and that is using past seasons. Um, obviously, it's hard to predict because the, the performance of a team has a big impact on, on those sorts of things. And from year to year, obviously, we know a team's performance changes. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're able to use the data to make help lead that decision. Now, there's a question in the chat I saw. Yeah. Um, so Tony asks, uh, he's interested as to why Tableau over Power BI. Yes. Just for those who don't know what those are, Penny, do you mind explaining? Yeah, of course. So um, they're both data visualisation tools, and there are a number of other tools out there as well. Um, Power BI is a Microsoft um, 
data visualization tool and you get it as part of Office 365. So you still have to pay for Office 365, but it's, it's included as part of that. So Tableau was actually chosen before I came on board, so I wasn't involved in the decision-making, but they did go out to um, to tender for that. And if you talk to our data engineer, he, he also asks that same question all the time, why didn't we go with Power BI? Um, but um, for all, you know, it, it has its issues, but Tableau is, in my opinion, along with a lot of people, the best in class for um, data visualisation from um, a user perspective. So I've worked with both. Um, Ryan mentioned I, I had some experience as well as a freelance consultant. So that was during lockdown when I was on stand down and I worked with a company and I actually was building dashboards for them and I, I got to use um, Data Studio, which is Google's version. Um, and I built them things in Power BI and I built them things in Tableau. I was basically building the same thing in each of those platforms them and they were using them for different clients and um, Power BI has got a few pros over Tableau but um, the majority of stuff I find is a lot easier to do in Tableau so Power BI uses a, um, a language called DAX to the formulas and it's really complex and hard to work with whereas Tableau is a lot more straightforward it's very similar to writing formulas in Excel if you've ever done that and just the user interface and building things I find in Tableau is a lot more intuitive and user-friendly and um, being able to share the data um, and the visualisations in Tableau. Again, in my opinion, everyone's going to, you know, everyone's got slightly different preferences, but um, Tableau is definitely, I think, the best in class for um, a paid data visualisation tool. Tanisha. Um, my question's more around a culture piece when you're implementing like data visualization tools and there's people within the business who've done it a certain way for X amount of years. How do you approach the culture change and that change management process to onboard them? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, a change management um, involved in what we do. So I've worked with one team where they have a dashboard and people go to that dashboard and they would select a couple of filters um, and they would transcribe some numbers into a spreadsheet and then they'd change the filters and transcribe another lot of numbers and they'd repeat that until they went through every combination, I think, of state and gender until they populated all their spreadsheet and then they'd use that to then feed into a PowerPoint to do another presentation with different visualisation. And that was just what they'd always done. So that they just, you know, well, that's what, how I've always done it, so why would I do it differently? Um, the other big cultural one that's sort of like a huge pet hate of mine is people who get these daily reports that we've got from our system that come from an old system called Crystal Reports. It looks like it came from the 90s and it should have stayed in the 90s. Um, and I call them PDF orders. So they get their daily reports. It's usually around membership numbers or participant numbers, like a daily number and seeing how things have gone. And they hoard them and they keep them and they want to go back and look at them. Oh, but on this day in 2016, our membership number was this. And so we want to compare to that. And they can get all of that in Tableau at a, at a click of a button and they just they don't realise. Um, some people, you can't change their, their mindset and that behaviour. They still want that PDF. They still want that email. They want to hoard it in their, um, in their inbox. So... 
the reporting that we've done, and I, and I will show you the example shortly actually, is it's kind of like a step change. So they're used to just seeing numbers in a spreadsheet. So then you build what's called a highlight table where it highlights the highest and the lowest numbers. So it's usually just easier to pick those. And then you move from maybe a highlight table to a bar chart and you just sort of gradually um, pro progress them along to what um, you want them to see and wean them off um, those numbers. There's still, there's still lots of tables in my dashboard and I'll talk through that as well. But um, showing them, it's usually is... Um, Showing them how you can make their life easier. That's usually what gets people across um, the line. But there will always still be those hangers-on and um, sometimes you just have to wait for them to move on and, and for someone new to come into the role that's fresh eyes and is more excited for new and innovative things. But there's always people like that as well coming coming up as well. So there's a lot of there. Does anyone have any other questions? Oh, fine. No, I think that's... Good for questions. So if you want to, yeah, if you wanted to share your screen, you can go from there. Yeah, awesome. So I'm going to, um, the first thing I'm going to show you is a heavily redacted version of, um, oh, it says host disabled screen sharing. Um, yes, it's a heavily redacted version of my um, KPI report. Uh, so you're not going to be able to see many of the numbers, unfortunately, because it is all internal information. But I will. Um, it, I, I want to show you still what it looks like, um, and hopefully you will get the idea. So just let me know if you can see what I'm sharing. Can't see your faces, so you'll just have to say. Can someone say yes? You can see no, what I'm sharing. That's all good. You can say yeah, that. Sweet. Awesome. All right. So this is, um, as I said, a heavily redacted version of our KPI report. So. The idea with this report is that it's um, a one-stop shop for the exec on a Monday morning after the round has happened to see where everything is at. Um, it's not particularly visual. It's still lots of numbers. So you can see all these grey blobs um, are like the big the top-line numbers and these green and red blobs are percentage change compared to whatever is mentioned underneath. So sorry, it's, it's all just lots of blobs, but hopefully you get the idea. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, this used to be a report that was very um, broken up, um, done by, the viewership was done by one team and the attendance was done by another team and the social and digital was um, done by another team and it was all sort of hodgepodge together and people were scrambling all the way on a Sunday night to get this all together. So now this is um, not 100% automated but almost 100% automated and now it just um, all the data feeds through automatically, the subscription. So in Tableau you can send a subscription. People do get this via email. So that's one of those change management things. As much as people could access this online or on their phone, execs still want to get that email. And they get all of these numbers um, in their inbox on that Monday morning before their exec meeting so they can go in and have a chat about um, the round that was. So in an effort to add a little bit of visualisation, I put this little um, bar chart down the bottom for the round match-by-match uh, match breakdown so they can sort of see visually. So even, mm. even on this page it demonstrates, like, you don't have to read through each of these numbers to know which round or sorry which match had the highest attendance in that round 
um, straight away your eye is drawn to that bar chart. Um, so this is a thing called um, pre-attentive attributes. So our eyes um, are naturally drawn to certain things. So the length um, of a bar or the size of something, um, we're automatically able to recognise that more quickly than having a look through all of those numbers and trying to figure out which one is the, is the highest number. Um, the same with the colour coding. So colours, the significance of colours is actually it can vary from culture to culture, but in Australia and, and Western culture, red and green have pretty, um, you know, defined attributes. So even without seeing the numbers that are there, you can probably get a bit of a picture of what the red means and what the green means without even being able to see what's under there. And that, again, is, is a pre-attentive attribute. So um, that's where... I love to come in and, and use those factors to help bring that data visualisation and help people get to what they're wanting to um, learn and, and find out from this information um, more quickly. So that's that's a less exciting version, uh, less exciting demonstration for you. So what I've also got is some of my, um, so this is actually my work laptop, so I've still got a whole bunch of stuff open from yesterday. So you can see I do, I do a lot in Tableau. I've got a whole bunch of things open. But these are my um, demos. So these are based on real dashboards that I've built for clubs. But what I've done is um, just taken a random sample from our data. So the numbers that you see on here um, are completely made up, essentially. Um, they don't represent any club. Um, in particular, it's just a combination of all clubs, and I've just taken a random sample of 20,000 records um, out of out of our database. So I just want to put that out there. But this is a dashboard. Um, so this is one of the reports that was originally based out of Crystal Reports. So our base system, Arctics, is where um, each club has their own version where they enter. It's like a CRM essentially. So um, someone signs up to become a member, they have a record created in the system. And especially at this time of year, so I got asked earlier if things have died down now that the football seasons have completely wrapped up. And the short answer is no, we're still busy as anything, our team. Um, and one of those reasons is clubs have just kicked into membership season now. So if you are a member of a, of a club, you might have already received communication from that club about, renewing your membership for this year or maybe you've got a payment plan and you just automatically rolled over to start the new year. So um, this is what they call renewal season where they're focusing on those previous members. So they're really keen to see those numbers and how everything's tracking um, so far this year and, and if they're meeting their targets. They'll usually have, you know, pre-Christmas targets and pre-season targets and things like that. So it, it doesn't stop around here. So um, Previously, clubs would receive this information in a really boring and outdated um, report. It was all tables. It was all, um, you know, tiny font. And um, I really wanted to make something a bit more visual for them. Um, so this has been designed knowing that a lot of these people are still in that habit of receiving something as a PDF in their mailbox every day, something that they can look at every day. So... Um, talking about that change management and that step change. So knowing that they still want it to be a PDF, so um, even though Tableau has a lot of interactive capabilities, 
I took I didn't make use of those for this dashboard. There's a some in there's some in here, but I designed it so that someone could have a look at a static PDF version of this and still get all of the information that they need. So instead of having a table that says, you know, this time last year, um, or sorry, right now we have 86,183 members. As I said, that's just an um, aggregate kind of random made-up number. Um, how are we doing compared to last year? So, yes, we could have a number on a page, but then you've got to read that, that second number and then you've got to do some mental maths to go, okay, is this number bigger? And, you know, that might only take a fraction of a second, but more um, more simply than that, you can look at this um, line chart here and straight away you can see we're ahead compared to this time last year. You can see that it's a date axis, so you know that it's, it's over time. And you can see straight away that this number, this point is higher than this point. Now you can see that I do have these two tips here, so you can um, can interact with this dashboard, but this is sort of supplemental additional information um, that the user can get if they want to, but they can still, um, but they don't need it to be able to consume this report. Uh, another thing that people really like to see is how, how we compare to last year for different membership types. So this visualization, even though um, it's a different type, it's a bar chart, it's still giving us the same kind of comparison as the line chart, but it just works a bit better because we're using, um, if we had three different lines and we had um, two lots of green, two lots of purple, two lots of grey on the one bar chart, it would be really, uh, on the one line chart, that would be really hard to read and understand. So part of my work as a, a data visualisation specialist, I suppose, is finding the right option to visualise what someone wants to see so this one instead this is called a bar in bar chart and again visually you can very quickly see that um each of these three categories actually are up on last year and we've got the percentages listed down here but you don't even need to look at those you don't even need to see those arrows um to know based on these bars that we're ahead in each of those categories um, another one, um, so this down here is also showing um, the breakdown of those people that have purchased memberships. Are they new members? Are they people who have renewed? And then this portion here is those who have not yet renewed. So ideally, as the year progresses, that grey section is going to get smaller and smaller and the blue and green section is going to get bigger and bigger. Um, I feel it. I feel a sneeze coming on. So if I just um, randomly stop in the middle, it's going to sneeze, but it's about to happen. So apologies in advance for that. Um, so all of this is to help them see those breakdowns of those different aspects that they want to see. It's all the same information. So this 86,000 memberships, we're looking at it um, as an aggregate total over time. We're looking at it broken down by different membership type. We're looking at it broken down by what we call customer status. Over here, we're looking at it broken down by ticket type. Um, and for these, I've used a pie chart, uh, but it's all still the same numbers and the same information, just put in a way that someone can just quickly have a look and get that information that they need. Um, I will talk about pie charts. I think they get a bit of a bad rap in the data world. Um, if they're used correctly, they can be the perfect visualisation what you need to show so I think if you've got um four or less I mean that's a bit of an arbitrary number but generally four or less um 
dimensions to more or less things that you want to fit on that pie chart that can work really well to show. And if you're not needing specifically to see that breakdown. So, again, over in here, I've got those percentages underneath. But we can see that the adult ticket type makes up two-thirds. You don't even need to look at that percentage to know that that's about two-thirds of those tickets. The same here. It was more about showing of our top three products by the number of products that we sell, they actually make up, again, about two-thirds of all of the product types that are sold. Um, so it's just, again, choosing the right type of visualisation for what you're trying to represent and can someone look at that and just get that information they need in that split second? We've got a question from yes. Billy. Go for it, mate. Mm -hmm. uh, hi. Um, all, all this starter and, and elite stuff is pretty new to me. So um, I was just wondering, um, is this information like generally publicly available or do you get sent this information from the teams and then make the graphs uh, based on the data? So this particular data is not publicly available. This is our internal data. So the majority of what we work with is internal data. Um, and that would be the same for most businesses across most industries. A lot of the data that they would be working with um, would not be publicly available information. And you've probably heard... Um, about the Optus and the Medibank data breach. I was involved in, not instigator, but my own data was involved in both of those breaches, actually. So there are lots of rules and regulations around um, managing the data that we acquire and keeping it safe and protecting people's privacy. Um, and we have a whole part of our team that's dedicated to the data governance and privacy and and um, complying with those laws and regulations around that. So there's lots of different ways that um, internally we can get access to that data. So um, we can connect in. So we use a platform called, I don't want to get too technical, but we use a platform called Snowflake, which is a, a data um, warehouse. So basically it's, it's designed to store data. Um, we have a team of data or a team of three data engineers that look after that side of things. I don't do a lot of that kind of work, but um, the data goes into there and then people work on it and make it a usable format for me and then I come along and build these, these dashboards. So um, that's one place that it can come from. Um, website and uh, app traffic comes through Google Analytics. Um attendance and some of our match day data we get through champion data through a data feed from them tv ratings we get from oztam um yeah so a lot of our data is not actually um publicly available information um we get it all from our different internal sources and we've got one from shimona as well yep yeah, thanks, Penny. So mine, just in terms of visualisation and things like that, is that something yeah. that sort of came naturally to you or is it more about did you have to sort of tweak around with things to see what sort of looked the best and would sort of portray your message in the best possible way and then you were satisfied with that? Um, it did come a bit naturally to me. So I this, um, this job is like the perfect um, 
crossover of nerdy numbers and, and data and, and, and work stuff and my creative side. So I'm actually, you can probably tell from my background, <laughs> I'm kind of a creative person and, and, you know, my hobbies involve a lot of crafts and I like um, creating visually pleasing things even, you know, in my hobbies and for fun. So it, it is a bit of a natural um, thing for me, but it is definitely something that people can learn too. I think you need to have a bit of an eye for it, but it's definitely something you can learn. There's so much information out there around visual best practice. Um, like you can even get, um, I just can't remember, like books I'm not, um, endorsing or not endorsing, but books that go through like how to build book. Shows my camera. There we go. Um, how to build different charts and things like that. Um, there's like data, data groupies and people that we admire, just like in sports, and we have our favorite sports stars. Um, I have my favorite data visualization people, and a lot of them have blogs, and you can do webinars, and there's so much content and training out there around data. There's um, there's a whole thing, information is beautiful, and it's just like really pretty data visualizations and just there's so many different ways you can learn how to do it but also I think certain people have an eye for that as well um seeing what's you know simple and visually pleasing and gets that information across as well so some of it can be learned but I think there is a bit of a natural color to it as well Penny if um if someone here hasn't had a lot of experience in this stuff and, and obviously wants to get better I think we can always get better at making data look a lot better, what are like some super simple things that they could probably do without going to do a course or something like that, but what's something they can do to, to learn it and get a little bit better at it? Yeah, definitely. So there's um, so much information available on the internet for free. Um, there's YouTube channels um, dedicated to either specific tools like Tallow or Power BI or anything um, and there's blogs galore. Um, so information is beautiful is, is one that I would highly recommend. And their um, visualisation tool is Gnostic. So um, the guy who founded it, um, David McCandless, was actually a journalist and um, with, with uh, experience graphic design. So he came from, from that side. And there are people who build these most beautiful visualisations using, like, uh, Photoshop and Illustrator and, and graphic design tools, not data tools as well. So um, if you're just wanting to up your game in PowerPoint, like even using something like PowerPoint where you're building a little chart or Excel, um, Googling something like data visualisation best practice, even something as simple as that, and you're going to start to get your tools. Google is, I think some people underestimate how useful Google is. I reckon 50% of my job is Googling. In Tableau, how do I? <laughs> like, that's how I've learned half of what I do is just by Googling it. Go, oh, I want to I wanna do this. How do I do it? And just Googling it because there's just unlimited resources out there. I think that's another one of the bonuses of Tableau maybe over some of the other platforms is that at work we joke about it being a cult, that Tableau is a bit of a cult and they want you to join their cult. But with that, there is this great community out there and there's, like, literally a Tableau community forum and there's, with hundreds of people that have their own blog. So if you ever want to figure out how to do something, you can just type it into Google and there's someone's probably already done it and they give you a guide on how to do it. Nice. Um, 
Tanisha, you have another question? Um, yeah, my question's kind of more about a go-to-market internally. So I want to implement some dashboards within social mark social media and the marketing side for a potential new job that I'm getting just because they don't actually track that data at the moment. What is probably your recommendation to a pitch to them, but also maybe some tools that are low cost free for those kind of easy quick wins from like Google Analytics, Facebook, Instagram? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I haven't explored a lot of the free tools. Um, I guess because I sort of fell into this role, I didn't need to learn how to do it until I got the job and I was already like I was going to access the Tableau. But for something, even like a, a pitch or a job interview, there's a lot you can do in something like PowerPoint, um, building out some really basic visualisations. Um, because the thing is to keep it simple as well. You don't want to overcook it. You don't want to um, make the page so cluttered and confusing that people aren't actually going to get what they want. So even if you're just doing a mock-up, especially if you don't have real numbers to work with that you're just wanting to, to demonstrate something, something in PowerPoint, you know, just using if you want to do pie charts, you can either use the chart functions or literally just use shapes out of, out of PowerPoint. And that, I mean, I know depending on what you've got on your computer, PowerPoint might not be free, but PowerPoint or, or the Google, I forget what that one's called, um, you could definitely do a mock-up in something like that. And I have people do mock-ups for me in tools like PowerPoint all the time, saying, hey, this is the kind of thing we want to see. Otherwise, if you're really keen to actually start um, building a database skills, Tableau has a product called Tableau Public. Um, so you can download the, the software and you can build something. Um, obviously, you would need some data to feed into it and um, you could either use screenshots or PDFs to, to then demo that in something like a job interview um, instead of having to publish it later. On and Joshua. Hi. Um, yeah, my question was uh, around... Um, like uh, I guess it would be different, like user sophistication. Um, obviously, you don't necessarily know how familiar every one of your end users are with uh, with data. I was just wondering how you kind of walk that line, I guess, between like making these amazing, beautiful, complicated charts and like making it understandable to the very basic uh, end user. Yeah, so that's a good question. So we, um, some of that comes down to um, communication and either that comes from our team or maybe it comes from the team that we're working with to then go out to their end users. So just as an example, our game development team that looks after community football and Oskick, we have 120 users. So they make up a huge chunk of our user base on Fairview and um we sort of have an intermediate person that acts as the communicator to that team between our team and their team. Um, so whenever we build out something new, there'll usually be an intro session. Um, and I do the same with clubs. Whenever we do a new dashboard or, or launch an update to a dashboard, we'll run a one-hour session. Like, hey, this is the new dashboard. Um, this is how you can use it. 
um, obviously with clubs, if they're going to be then potentially modifying it and then that, what, in Tableau language, they call the creator, that's the access level that they have. Um, we might go into more depth with them than we would for um, someone who's just read-only access is just looking at the users they are. So, um, yeah, some of it's either on the team or the department that, that they report into and their um, leaders communicate information with them, whether it's training sessions or, or what have you, um, or we will run those training sessions. The idea is that we keep things simple enough that we can just run a one-hour um, intro session to show people and they are able to use it from there. I see I've, 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 um, I've talked a lot and we're almost at 8 o'clock already. Um, does anyone have any other questions? Um, I'm working at BFL level and would be interested in what kind of data, like we don't get as much data sets as an AFL club. Would you have any recommendation of what kind of data we could be looking at in terms of like match day attendance and that kind of thing? Like what kind of data do AFL clubs find very useful? Yeah, I guess, and it comes back to that that point of what questions are you trying to answer? So it's all well and good to have that data there and have those visualisations. Um, but in this age of information, sometimes it can be information overload and if you just throw everything that at people, um, it just becomes too much and overwhelming. So I would recommend going back and going, okay, we've, we want to look at what data we can get, but what questions do we want to then answer with that data? Um, and then how are we going to get that data? So um, if you're talking about attendance at a VFL match, how is that information captured in the first place? Because um, I would be guessing that a VFL game potentially is not ticketed. Um, I'm guessing it's free. I haven't actually been, I have to admit. Um, but if it's like a free event that people can just show up on the day, then how are we capturing how many people are attending those those games and where is that information being stored? Whereas, say, an AFL match at the MCG, it's ticketed and people have to scan in with that. So we can get that information. It's captured and stored somewhere, so we can tap into that and capture that. But if it's something like, yeah, how, how many people went to the Festival of Footy or how many people have gone to a community footy game, if there's no one there tracking that information or there's no way of that being captured, then it's it's hard to then <coughs> go on and, and work with that information. If that awesome. Um, I have another question more around, like, ticket pricing. Do you guys do modelling around, you know, ticket prices increased 10% last year and 90% of people were happy to pay the ticket increase and using data in that way as well to make financial decisions? Yeah, so ticketing specifically, um, we we definitely get access to this like data around that. It doesn't always come through our team. There are other departments, so that would have been, I can't think of the name of that team, but they would have done some market research on that um, to work through those. So we still, even if it's not coming through our team and we're not creating a visualisation about it, we, we definitely are still using data. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so earlier in the year, as we came out of COVID and people started to get back to the footy, they weren't all necessarily coming to the football. So we did surveys to 
to find out why aren't you coming back to the footy? What's going on? Is it COVID? Is it something else? Um, so we always try to um, – the term that gets used a lot is data-driven decisions, but I heard someone else, I think it was actually David McCandless, talk about making data-informed decisions. So you don't necessarily let the data make the decision for you, but you use that data to help you come to the decision that you need to make. Uh, Sarah, you have another question? Yeah, in terms of the membership data that you have, because I'm doing memberships for the BBL with Cricket Victoria and we get data all the time of like our call list. So would you give or would the AFL clubs be able to sort of see from there, from the data sets, I guess the best demographic to sort of base their call list around or who to target in their membership? Yeah, so that was one of the um one of the ones I was going to demo, but we've run out of time for. So we definitely look at the demographics um, of our membership base, and that's used in a lot of different ways. So if they're looking for um, gaps, so we know that you know based on census data. So we use census data, which is publicly available information. Um, you know what the makeup of LGAs are, and then we can see the breakdown of members in that LGA. So, do we have any gaps in that market? The same for pretty much anything across footy, not just members. Um, we use a partner called Equifax for data enrichment as well, which then um, classifies each of the members into one of their cohorts, uh, which again can be used for targeted um, marketing. We also use um, our data to yeah, create those contact lists essentially. So another report I was going to show you is an unrenewed report. So people who were members last year but haven't renewed this year. Let's see if we can find, rather than just doing like a spray and pray approach and just contacting everyone, let's group them into specific cohorts and let's find a way we can contact them and be a bit more specific about how we do it. Are they someone that we might be better calling or maybe we email them? Do we offer them um, a freebie or a discount or, you know, working into those little groups. So data is definitely used in that way across the clubs for sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Wow. That went really quickly, Penny. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I kind of realised we had 10 minutes left and I was like, wow, um, which is a shame, but that's okay. Um, but thank you very much for tonight. Like seeing, actually visualising that is very cool. Like, I think people talk a lot about, data and how we use it and and you know there's a lot of buzzwords going around but when you can actually see it on your screen about how it all actually comes together um it starts to look really real so i think it's super useful for us to to tune in tonight and to actually see it on our screen um yeah. what you do so thank you very much um i'm sure you won't mind people following you on linkedin um look at what penny's doing it's Pretty amazing stuff when you when you really listen to it and, and hear about the background to it. So um, it's not just. Well, Ryan's getting his sound back. I'll do a little plug. So if you do look me up on LinkedIn, um, I'm pretty sure I've got a link to my Tableau public profile. I don't have a lot on there because a lot of what I do is internal. But I have there was a couple I was going to show tonight that are slightly sports related, and there are a bunch that are, that are not. I've actually got a dashboard um, that I won it and I won a competition with on um, the top ten thousand movies. So. Um, just if you have any questions, Stephanie, feel free to hit me up. Sorry about you. Amazing, guys. Well, thanks again, Penny. That was absolutely awesome. Sorry for my uh, technology stuff up there at the end. It was a very clean uh, ending. But um, 
thanks again for coming on and um, lots to look forward to um, and it will all be on the community when we know. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, everyone. And as I said, feel free to get in touch on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. Hey guys, one last thing before you go. If you'd enjoy a quick email from us each Friday on all the latest job openings, networking events, Q&As with industry professionals and latest podcast episodes, then subscribe to the Sportsgrad newsletter. Head to our website, www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash newsletter to subscribe. There's also a link in our show notes to join. 